A reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 35. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised, and with what kind of body do they come? Fool, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And as far as what you sow, you do not sow the body that is to be, but a bare seed, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. Here ends our reading. So some of you may not know this, but I used to tutor math at Norwalk Community College. And I was a really good math tutor. In fact, I, I don't want to boast, I was the best math tutor. I used to have a line of students... There were other tutors there, but there was a line of students. They just wanted me to tutor them. And I was a really good math tutor because in college, right, you have to take math. I had to figure out math growing up. I was terrible. I, was the, I actually failed math once. And I never wanted to fail it again. The second time I took it, I got an A. But I had to teach myself how to do it. Because obviously it wasn't working the way it was, it was, it was uh, happening. So what did I do? I hit the book. I took that math book and I started at page one. And I found this trick to math that if you can just follow the steps, if you start at page one, you could get to the last page and do all the math in between. But if you skip to the end, what happens? It's just numbers and letters on the page and you have no idea what it's saying. You have no idea what it means. And sometimes when we open up the Bible, we start reading it, and we read something, and we say, what does this mean? You go to 1 Corinthians 15, and it says that we're going to get a new body. It talks about different kinds of flesh. It says, like a reptile has a certain kind of flesh, right? It has scales. A fish has a certain kind of flesh. Uh, Birds have a certain kind of flesh. And people have a certain kind of flesh. And the Bible says that the spiritual body, the body that God is preparing for us when we move from this life to the next, is another kind of body. But what does that mean? And what does that even look like? It's hard to grasp, right? But I, can, I think I can show you what this means, but we can't just start in 1 Corinthians 15. See, I think sometimes people don't read the Bible Church is, is a little unpopular these days. And a lot of people, they, there's a, the Bible at Barnes and Nobles, it used to be right up front, and now it's all the way in the back, all the Bibles. And I think people are just having a hard time connecting with it. it. It's a book of life, right? It's the book of truth, but you open it up to 1 Corinthians 15 and you say, uh, I don't know what this is talking about. But I want to show you. I want to show you that you can use the book Consider me the Bible tutor for today. And I'm going to show you how to use this book to interpret the, the, even the complicated parts. And then you can open it up and it can inspire you at any time of the day. So to understand 1 Corinthians 15, to understand what God is doing, if you want to know the big thing that God has in store for all of us, it's, it's right above me. I think it's there. Uh, It was the the star at Christmas. There's a cross behind me. Last night we were singing, 
I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away. And it talks, the song's about dying. And we're all standing around clapping, rejoicing, and when I die, hallelujah by and by, I'll fly away. And I said after this, everybody loved the song. We had our, our Saturday night service, and the band was there, and they, were, they, they killed the song. But then I, re- I, I said, guys, do you know what we were just saying about? We sang about dying. And we were so happy about it. We were rejoicing. And then everybody laughed. Because sometimes we sing these songs and we read these words and we don't know what they mean. So the early church, they, they knew what they were living for. They knew that the cross and they knew that life was more than just this flesh. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, he's the reason we're all here, he took the message of Jesus out from Judea, out from Israel, and spread it to all of the Roman world. And that eventually came to us. And to understand the Bible, we have to understand what the people believed. And we have to see how they lived it out. I've been stu- we've been studying the Thessalonian, the book of Thessalonians. Who here reads the Bible every day? Even, even I don't do that. <laughs> but I do it a lot. And I, I want us to become a people that do read the Bible. And if we could understand it, we would. So let's look at what the early church, we were looking at Thessalonians, and the Thessalonians, before that big Bible that we have that's in front of, that's in all your pews, The early church started out with just a letter. I show people how thin it is. You could read it in a half hour. Before they had the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it was this letter to the Thessalonians. And Paul wrote this early church, one of the first churches, he said, hang on to the hope. Hang on to the hope that you're going to have a new body when you pass from this life. And they did. And he warned them, things are going to come and pull you away from that hope, but hang on. And you read that and you say, oh, I wish I could hang on. What does that look like? Well, there's a story, we probably all learned it in Sunday school. The story of Joseph. Do you guys know Joseph? He's the one who wore the, the, the coat of many colors. Joseph, he was... Uh, one of 12 sons. There's 12 tribes of Israel. This guy named uh, Jacob, he had 12 sons, and those 12 sons would become the, the tribes of Israel. And one of those sons, the second to last son, his name was Joseph. He was a good-looking guy. He, he was spiritual. He was connected with God, and his dad favored him among all the other brothers. And Joseph, one day, he was praying and he had this dream. He had this vision. And he heard from God. Wouldn't it be great to hear from God? You hear from God, and what do you do? You keep it to yourself? No, he went so excitedly and told his brothers. He goes to his brothers and he says to his 11 brothers, he says, guess what? I had this wonderful dream. I am going to be elevated above all of you. Back then, remember, firstborn son, he got everything. So here's this 11th born son coming along saying, 
I'm going to be greater than even the firstborn. In fact, I'm going to be greater than mom and dad. Isn't that great news? Do you think his brothers said, great, oh, we're so happy for you? No, his brothers hated him. His brothers got mad at him. They were jealous. First, God is speaking directly to you. Who are, how dare you think that? Then you think God is going to make you greater than everybody else? How dare you? And you know what they did? They took him and threw him in a ditch and staged his death and sold him off to slavery. Here's this guy. He hears from God. And what happens? He tells people about it and he gets punished. He gets thrown in a pit and then sold off as a slave. This isn't going so well for Joseph so far, following God. But he holds on to God's hope. He holds on to the dream. He holds on to the hope. And he ends up working at this guy named Potiphar's house. And Potiphar is a noble. He has a lot of money. And he runs this big household. And he sees that Joseph, he buys Joseph as a slave. And he sees that Joseph is a good worker. He's such a good worker that he puts Joseph in charge of his whole whole house to run it. And Joseph is probably thinking, wow, God's fulfilling the dream. God told me I would be great. It didn't work out great at first. I got thrown in a ditch and betrayed by my brothers. But I held on. And look, now I'm head of a big household in Egypt. This is going great. You know what happens next? Potiphar, the, Potiphar's wife, notices that Joseph is a good-looking guy. And she tries to seduce him. And Joseph says, I will not betray my master. So she comes up with a plot saying that he came on to her and he gets thrown in jail. It's good to follow God, right? It's always smooth. It's always, it's always going to be perfect. No, Joseph teaches us that sometimes there's things that come along that are going to get in the way of that. Joseph is sitting in jail, hanging on to the hope of God, when he meets somebody who works for the Pharaoh, and Pharaoh has this terrible dream. You can go and read it anytime. It's in Genesis chapter 48, I believe. And the story says that Pharaoh had this terrible dream. Nobody can interpret it. Joseph was in jail with this guy that worked for Pharaoh, The guy started working for Pharaoh again and told Pharaoh about this guy who could interpret dreams. This guy was Joseph. Pharaoh, uh, he interprets Pharaoh's dream. And Pharaoh's so impressed. Do you know what Pharaoh does? He takes his ring off and says, now you will run Egypt for me. God fulfilled his, the, the, the vision. God fulfilled the dream. He was now on top. He was now set to rule. In the next chapter, we find that this famine in the land had eventually brought Joseph's brothers back to Egypt. You know those Denzel Washington movies like Man on Fire and The Equalizer where he's paying back everybody for all the wrongs that they've done? I love those movies. Well, this this was like the moment. Joseph has his brothers in front of him, the people who wronged him. He's now in charge. Now he can pay them back, right? That's what I would do. They deserve it. 
According to the script, they deserve to be punished. Do you know what Joseph does? He forgives them. And he, it, he not just forgives them, he says, you know how the famine is hurting everybody? I want you, the people who betrayed me, I want you to come live with me. Live in, come live with us in, in Egypt, and I'll take care of you. What a backward story. A, the rise to power, this guy, it's like the Count of Monte Cristo, but with no revenge. And that's what happens in this story. Joseph forgives. He does, he's a person in power, but he changes the script. And what Joseph had learned to do was this, to hold on to the hope and promise of God. No matter what Joseph went through, he held on to that hope that God said something and he's going to deliver. And what we read today in 1 Corinthians 15, what we read throughout Scripture is this promise, is this hope that we are going to be raised into a new body. And what God wants for us to do is no matter what trial or temptation, no matter what happens to us, God doesn't want us to let go of that hope. The hope of resurrection. And that sounds good, but what does it look like? Well, I brought some stuff from my office. Does anybody know what this is? Some kids might not know what it is. This is a phone. (laughs) And I pulled it out of my office. I hope nobody calls me. but that's the old phone. Nobody, some people use it, but for all, for all intents and purposes, it's, it's being less and less used. Does anybody know what this is? This is the iPhone 3. Do you know where it sits? Yeah, I paid like 500 bucks for this. Do you know where it sits? In my desk. Useless. It doesn't even turn on. I don't even have the charger for it. It's gone. Dead. This is the iPhone 5. You know where this sits? Right next to that. Dead. (laughs) Useless. Doesn't even turn on. This is the iPhone XS. This is the brand new phone. Brand new. I love it. I was one of the... I'm, I'm that guy who gets it right away. Resurrection is just like these phones. I take notes, my calendar, all my contacts, everything. Do you know it used to be on this? And then I transferred it, the data, to this. And now all the data, this is gone. The data is still there. It's on here. And bad news. Guess where this is going to end up? In my desk. Dead. (laughs) Useless. Does that mean I won't have a phone anymore? What's the point? What is God telling us? That right now, 
we are just in one of these phones. It started out in the womb, right? You're in the womb. You have no idea about the world outside. But God takes you and transfers you into a completely new realm. And you think, oh, this is the iPhone XS life. This is it. But the Bible tells us that there's something more. That God is preparing us for something greater. And if we can hold on to that hope, all the bumps and all of the trials, all of the people that hurt us, all of the brokenness in this world, we can look at it knowing that one day all of this is going to end up in the desk. But that God has prepared something greater. And he talks about a new heaven, a new earth, and a new body. Hopefully this week, here's my challenge for everybody. Read the Bible. Read 1 Corinthians 15. It's right in your bulletin, and you could take it home. And when you read that passage, guess what's going to happen? You're going to remember this moment. You're going to remember what I said about Genesis. You're going to remember these iPhones, and it's going to inspire you. That's what church is for, to transform us. If you're not being transformed, then church, it's going to be boring. You've got to participate, and you've got to join in, and let God work with you. Let God pull you into the new body that he's pulling you into. Amen.